0: Welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. I'm Larry Goldman, Chief Analyst at Analysis Mason. Um, We've been talking quite a bit about sustainability. It's really important in our uh, industry and growing in importance. And today I'm talking with Anurag Day, a consultant in our Stockholm office who focuses on sustainability and ESG. Anurag, you've just written a, a piece about ESG disclosure requirements in the EU. Uh, Let's talk about what's developing with those new requirements.
1: Well, first of all, Larry, I want to say thank you for inviting me here to discuss what I find to be the fascinating world of EU policy and regulation. Secondly, what we are talking about here is a regulatory disclosure regime that has two main objectives to it. Number one, it is trying to define what we can refer to as sustainable in terms of sustainable, in terms of economic activity. And number two, is trying to encourage transparency in the market by mandating what information must be discl- disclosed by companies. And what we have done is we've written an article to help various TMT actors and other people who are interested in this space uh, to understand what their requir- what the requirements are for them, because they are applying to varying degrees. But this is important to note that this is a rapidly evolving area. And whilst these regulations apply quite broadly within the marketplace, there are also some specific directions which are given towards financial actors so investors fund managers and asset managers
0: so that's that's a great uh, introduction there so tell us a bit about the specific requirements
1: sure so in the article we talk about three principal pieces of regulation what we refer to as these regulatory instruments they are the taxonomy the non-financial reporting directive the nfrd and the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, the SFDR. One thing as some will know when it comes to the EU and regulation more broadly, is there is a plethora of uh, acronyms around. So we're gonna do our best to clear up what all of these mean. But what I think is nice about what the EU has done here is that in in creating this regime, all of these different pieces of regulation they, they kind of do what they say on the box. They are disclosure regimes, they are taxonomy, they are talking about sustainable finance. So you get, a, you get a hint in the name. But first of all, I wanted to discuss the taxonomy, because that's the overarching classification scheme, and that's at its broadest level what the EU is trying to do, setting up a system of classification for what can be referred to as sustainable. And so if you look at that taxonomy, it sets out a, a criteria of what must be done or what has to be achieved by an economic activity for it to be referred to as sustainable. And if you'll indulge me, I'll just go through these five. So we are all on the same page when it comes to, to this, uh, to this piece of, uh, to this piece of uh, regulation. One, the activity must be related to one or more of the environmental objectives that the EU has set in place. Second, once you've identified that, look, this is around one of these environmental objectives, you have to say it contributes substantially to one of these, uh, one of these environmental objectives. And in the, uh, in the way that only legalese can do, uh, contribute substantially can have one of three meanings, uh, one of which is substantially contribute. So it either has to substantially contribute to one of these activities, which is that it is an activity with very low or zero emissions. Number two, it can be a transitional activity. In other words, activity that cannot be made fully sustainable, but activities which are below the current industry standards and that would not disincentivize future sustainable activity. Or number three, it can be an enabling activity or activity that enables another economic activity to meet its environmental threshold. And the the example that's given in the taxonomy around that are things like uh, the production of wind power blades or uh, hydrogen, electricity, or things like that. Third, the activity must not harm another environmental perspective. So it is something that is good for the environmental or for a environmental objective, but does not harm another environmental objective. Fourth, it must comply with minimum social safeguards. And here's where we start seeing the E, S, and the G coming into it. It has to be environmentally good, but at the same time, it cannot be something that is socially undesirable either. And this is something which uh, references, on a principal level, ILO conventions or OECD guidelines uh, around uh, multinational uh, corporations. And later on, the idea would be that there would be more specific guidelines on it, but right now it's at a principal level. And then finally, it has to be compliant with the taxonomy's technical screening guidelines, uh, which are there for two of the six environmental objectives, but the other four are... Uh, having ongoing development. So that's that's the first one, the taxonomy. So from there, we get a definition of what can be referred to as sustainable. And this applies market-wide, and it is a broad way for us to be able to have the rules of the game. If you want to call call something sustainable, this is what you must be able to prove. So that's the, that's the first one. Secondly, uh, and I'll be a bit uh, quicker on the, on the next two. The, the second one is what uh, we refer to as the non-financial reporting directive. And that applies to all listed companies and also large public interest companies. That is companies with more than 500 employees and which have a significant balance sheet or turnover more than 20 million for the former and more than 40 million for the latter. And basically what they have to do is that they have to publish certain ESG guidelines or their uh, policies regarding things like environmental protection, social responsibility, treatment of employees, etc. And finally there is the SFDR. And this is a this is the regulation with respect to the financial actors that I was alluding to right at the beginning. And what we see there is that financial actors have to create or are required to give some kind of classification to their financial products. So at an everyday level, if you are in the EU and you've purchased a a fund recently, you will have noticed a little mark next to it. Article six, article eight, or article nine. And these labels are a construct. Of the SFDR, and they refer to the sustainability of these financial products. So, Article Six are funds which do not have a sustainability scope attached to them. Article Eight, or light green funds, are ones which are said to promote ESG characteristics, and then Article Nine are so-called dark green funds, which have sustainable investment as their primary as their primary objective. So within these three things, these are what we are referring to as the EU's ESG disclosure regime.
0: Okay, so for our listeners' reference, Anurag has spelled out all these specifics, these pretty detailed things he's just been explaining to us. They're explained in the article. You can find it by following the link in the show notes. So, Anurag, uh, how do these requirements then affect the TMT players? Are there specific requirements for telecoms?
1: So, as I was alluding to, these are general guidelines when it comes to ESG disclosures. And so, there are no specific guidelines when it comes to TMT players. That being said, TMT players, as being part of the overall marketplace, uh, have to consider their position in light of these disclosure requirements. And then, like others in the marketplace, also have to disclose what they what they have done. And as TMT players are part of a large and ubiquitous ecosystem, there there is uh, enormous potential for them to showcase the kind of things that they're
0: doing in this space. So we we going to know what they are. What do, What do you think of these requirements? Are they just another reporting burden?
1: So I think that's a that's a really good question, Larry. And there are different ways, of course, of approaching anything in life. You can view things as a, a challenge or a, a drudgery that has to be done, or you can view the opportunity within them. For my part, I think the requirements that are set out within these things are a step in the right direction. As you have discussed with in previous podcasts, and specifically I'm thinking of your Excellent podcast with our colleague Maria Tunbay. Sustainability can be a vague term or has been a, a, a vague, vague term. Uh, and one of the things that the EU is trying to do here is minimize the ambiguity that is associated with sustainability. It prevents people from just sticking a green tag on something or saying something is sustainable and not giving us in Our capacity or our avatars as consumers, as purchasers, or as investors to actually understand what is meant by, by this sustainable tag. And so creating this standardized disclosure regime is, is an effective market driven way of encouraging uh, sustainability. Because when required to disclose, companies are automatically able to be benchmarked against each other. So you can really say, well, you say you are green and you say that sustainability is a primary concern for you, but how do you actually compare? I can see from your disclosures that, well, actually you're not living up to what you're saying. And then I have a choice in my various roles to decide whether I want to engage with you as as a company. So in our own work, uh, we see that companies Looking into uh, especially in our transaction work, companies looking into the ESG bona fides of these of other companies, both from a buying and selling perspective, because they can have real world implications on the performance of companies. When considered, let's say from an environmental perspective, uh, right now we are all experiencing a surge or we're experiencing... Uh, very high energy costs. And whilst uh, right now there is this intersection of economic and environmental interests to, to pursue it, if you were looking at it from an ESG perspective from the very beginning, you will have identified, perhaps I want to look at companies which have some environmental resilience built into them. So take, for example, we do a lot of work with uh, mobile networks and tower co's. For example. And one of the things that they are looking at is incorporating renewable energy production into their own sites. Now, that has the benefit of obviously uh, reducing emissions because they're not perhaps purchasing from fossil fuels. But secondly, it also increases the resilience of these networks when considering price volatility. Or let's say, in a hypothetical situation, there was a supply chain crisis brought around by something like a global pandemic, that resilience is inbuilt into the system uh, and would allow for better operations. From a, from a social perspective, uh, we look at things like employee satisfaction. Now, the TMT world is, is a very knowledge-heavy industry, and talent and resources are a primary, a primary thing that companies look at. If you're unable to attract and retain that talent, that has a huge implication on the productivity of your company. Or third, from a governance perspective, what are your models for monitoring uh, various governance issues? For example, anti-corruption, bribery, human rights uh, violations. Just recently, we have seen some large TMT players fall afoul of these things, which have had very significant consequences on their on their performance and their view in the marketplace. So if you can look into these things from the very beginning, that not only enables you to fulfill your reporting requirements, but actually helps you improve the operations of your company.
0: Okay, so you know we're talking about um sustainability, as you say, it, it, it can be kind of vague and now these regulations help us be more specific and and the fact is is People have to decide to do specific things uh, about this. So you work directly with clients and helping our other consultants on ESG related work. Do you think the TMT industry uh, we have a good handle on what needs to be uh, we need to be doing uh, for ESG and sustainability?
1: That's a that's a really good question, Larry. And I think at a very broad level. The industry is finding finding its feet when it comes to ESG and sustainability issues. Again, in an industry as large and diverse as ours, there are some who have been working on this for a while and have been incorporating these ESG elements into their operations for many years, whereas others are coming at it for the very first time, driven in part by these regulations, driven in part by broader public sentiment. And driven in part by just the fact that this is something which they want to make sure that they have some kind of handle on. And one of the things, especially when thinking about these regulatory changes, is that I think they have shifted the conversation from ESG sustainability from being a nice to have to being a must have. Because as the market becomes more transparent, Again, people in our roles as uh, purchasers, consumers, and investors are increasingly looking to align with companies which share our values and our ambitions. So, no one wants to be left behind as we, as we take this journey.
0: Okay. Well, I, you know, I think it's uh, getting to be time for us to wrap up today's podcast. Uh, what, what are your final thoughts on the ESG impacts on our TMT customers?
1: First of all, I just want to say one thing, which is I love working in TMT for one very specific reason, and it is that TMT is often at the cutting edge of our society. When you think about telecommunications, media, and technology, it enables us to communicate seamlessly, work productively, and build inclusive societies. And so when we remember that as the role of TMT, or think about that as the potential of the TMT industry, TMT players have a lot to offer and should be uh, central stakeholders as we make this transition to a low-carbon and
0: sustainable economy. Okay, well, uh, Anurag, I really appreciate your uh, your producing the article. I've learned a lot from this and so forth, and and we continue to get a better and better understanding of of what's required for uh, ESG, how that affects the. Uh, um, the TMT industry. So uh, thanks for your explanation here, your leadership on ESG Anurag. Uh, remind our listeners uh, that there is a link to Anurag's article uh, in the show notes. And thanks for listening today.
1: Thank you, Larry.